Awesome. Awesome. What a great day. Uh, Megan Tibbetts on the harp. Wasn't that amazing? Isn't that great? How many of you know I own a harp? Anybody know that? I actually have a 100-year-old harp in my home that I can't play. It was given to me, and it looks awesome. And uh, sometimes I imagine myself playing, but now I don't have to. I just listen to Megan play. Amen? You know, we're talking about heaven on earth, and the idea of echo in this series is that we want to reflect what's happening in heaven on earth. We want to live out kingdom values, the kingdom of God here on earth. We want to see what God is doing in heaven so that we can carry that out on earth. Whenever Jesus uh, came on the scene, he brought in that which the Father did. He said, I can do no, n nothing unless I see the Father doing it first. When you see the Father doing in heaven what he does best, then you know what to carry out on earth, and you know that all power and authority was given unto him. He says it by his own word. All power and all authority was given unto me, and then he empowers us to go forth with that same power. Now watch this. If Jesus has all power and all authority, then how much power and authority does Satan have? The answer is none. Where does he get his power? Where does he get his authority? He gets it from you when you yield and give him place in your life. When you give him credit rather than giving God credit, when you curse the ground that you walk on, when the words of your mouth are anything but blessing of God and blessing of others, what you do is you empower the darkness and the dominion and the power of darkness is really from you. The reason he is so antagonistic against you is because you are created in the image of Almighty God. No creature that God made except man was created in his image. So when Satan sees you, he sees the image of the Father in you. He knows that all power and authority was given unto Jesus. He knows you access that power by virtue of your relationship and your heritage as a son of the living God. And so he knows that you have the potential and you have the capability to stop everything he's doing. So what he does is he lulls you into this idea of fixating on earth and missing out on heaven. So you miss out this divine connection. You're not echoing from heaven the kingdom of God values. You're echoing from one another. You're, you're going to somebody and say, what do you think I should do? doesn't matter what somebody thinks you should do. What does God think you should do? You say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. You don't have to do anything. You just have to let God do it for you, through you, and in you. So as we talk about the kingdom of God, I want to begin with this quote from Oswald J. Smith. He said this, the greatest need in the world and the church is a mighty manifestation of the Spirit of God. That's what we need. You say, well, we need to get our politics. We need to get our politicians straightened out. Politicians will never be straightened out. <laughs> I, hey, I've got good authority to tell you based on history that they're not going to get the job done. Who's going to get the job done is God. When God begins to show up in a mighty way, politicians will bow their knee and yield and see what God can do. A lot of people don't know this historically, but historically, during the time of the American Revolution, America was in a deplorable moral state of decay. 
presidents were being forced to resign from universities. Bibles were being burned on campuses. Alcoholism was at an all-time high, some estimate as high as 60%. There didn't seem much hope for America. This idyllic view that everything was kind of wonderful and just went downhill or not true. Here's what the truth is. Man has always been the same. In the midst of a great declaration of independence from Great Britain, America was suffering from bondage from Satan. But guess what? God began to work, and God brought a great awakening that changed the moral climate of the United States and led to the heritage that we enjoy today. And multiple times over and over again, when things are bad, when the spiritual level is low, the Spirit of God begins to work and bring about a change. That's why if you're in a low state spiritually today, I've got good news. The Spirit of God is here for you, amen? It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, God wants to do a fresh work in you, change you, and move the kingdom forward through you. Here's a couple of thoughts I want to leave you as we start to talk. God echoes his work from heaven. When Jesus went about healing, he put his hand on someone, he touched them, and they were transformed. And he said, I want you to go heal the sick. I want you to go release those in bondage. I want you to echo everything you hear through your hands. You know, there's something amazing about the hands. There's something powerful when you just lay your hand on someone's shoulder and pray for them. You say, well, I don't even know how to pray. You don't even have to. You just say, Jesus, I'm praying for this person. That's all you have to say, and you watch the countenance of that person change. They're literally transformed before your eyes. Testimonies are carriers of divine activity. You know what a testimony is? The things you testify about, things that you speak forth, they're carriers of divine testimony. And when you speak a word, a testimony, that goes forth and it begins to move itself down life's journey and it begins to touch lives and people are changed because what they're doing is they're hearing you testify of what God did. You're speaking life into a situation. You're empowering yourself in the kingdom of God by the testimony of God. Also, The works of God reintroduce people to the true God. Without the works of God, people think about religion. They don't think about God. People say this all the time. Well, you know, I just believe that we shouldn't talk about politics or religion. I agree. I hate religion, and I'm not fond of politics. You say, well, how can you hate religion? You're a pastor. I love Jesus. You see, God didn't invent religion. Man did. Have you hear people say, well, I took this course on world religions in school, and so I got to read the Bible for a little bit. Well, it's in the wrong classification. It doesn't belong in that classification. It's all, to, all different, all completely different. You see, because we're followers of Jesus Christ. I know some people are going to shock, be shocked. They get to heaven. They think there's going to be a corner for Presbyterians, another one for Baptists and Catholics. Episcopalians might even have a little corner. But there's going to be all these people up in heaven. I want you to know when you get to heaven, there won't be any tags except the tag, Jesus Christ, born of the blood, baptized in the Spirit, saved, raised from the dead. That's the only tag that we got. We are saved by the Lamb of God, the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, that we, we should receive power and glory and honor unto his praise. That's why they sang a new song day in and day out, because they knew what it meant to be lost and then to be found in the arms of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, let me show you how the, how the works of God transform people. I saw this headline just the other day. I want to read it to you. 200,000 Buddhists and 62 Buddhist monks come to Jesus Christ. They turn to Jesus Christ. 
Now think about that headline. I looked a little deeper. I wanted to see what was going on here, what the report was. Apparently a year ago or so when that earthquake came, there was a Buddhist priest that was so moved by the Christian missionaries who showed up, began to rebuild those villages, began to bring food, began to bring water. This priest converted to Jesus Christ. In turn, 62 more Buddhist priests converted to Jesus Christ, and 200,000 people since that time, Buddhists, have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Give him glory. Now let me tell you something. It wasn't because somebody had some slick promotional idea. It was because Christians were the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. The Buddhist priest, when they interviewed him, he's now, that first one is now a pastor because he's already got a congregation of 200,000. That's not bad. But anyway, because he was so transformed, they said, why did you, why did you drew you into Christianity? And you know what he said? Nobody from the Buddhist community around the world came and helped. Nobody from the Hindu community came to help. Nobody from the Muslim community came to help. The only people that came worldwide were Christians. They came to help, and they were compelled by love. You see, when you do something in Jesus' name, you compel them by love. When they say, why are you doing this, you say, Jesus. You give him the credit. You begin to bless the ground that you walk on, and you bless everyone around you. I mean, think about what an amazing story that is. Now let's take our Bibles. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 3. And I want to read to you a powerful scripture. It's got a lot of depth to it. Uh, I wish we had a couple of hours to really dig into this. I guess I do. There's not a third service, so we can keep rolling. But it says here, I mean, some of you, like four of you would be here if I did that. But all right, now listen. Here's what it says. You ready? Are right, you got it? Oh, that you would rend the heavens. Now let me stop right there. The word rend means to make bigger. It was used of women in, in the cosmetic world of taking and putting stuff around their eyes to make their eyes look bigger, right? I had a friend, his wife took forever to put her eye makeup on. He said if she had three eyes, we'd never get anywhere. But anyway, another story. All right, oh, that you would rend the heavens. Oh, that you would make them bigger. Do you realize we live under an open heaven, but it can be bigger? It can be larger. It can be more encompassing of you. What that means is that God's divine activity is free to move up and down through this. And it says, oh, that you would rend the heavens. That word heaven there in the Hebrew is the word shamayim. It literally means their waters. He's saying, oh, that you would open up the heavens and you would open up this baptism of the water of heaven. The Bible closes in the book of Revelation. Anyone who's thirsty, let him come drink. The Bible, John, uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus stood up and said that he said on that day of the feast, he said, if anyone's thirsty, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit, the Scripture says. Now notice it says that you would come down, that the mountains would shake at your presence. You know what mountains are? They're obstacles. He says when God comes down, obstacles begin to shake. Things you can't get through, things you can't close over, things you don't know what to do, you don't have time to go around. God says, I'm going to shake them. I'm going to cause them to slip into the midst of the sea. I'm going I'm to cause the tabernacle of the Most High God to be in the midst of her. And even though you, you hear all the clamor, you're going to know that it's his still small voice that still speaks in the midst of all that's going on. And it tells us here that you might, that the mountains might shake at your presence. That Hebrew word there translated means the face of God. The word presence is translated presence. It means the face of God. When the face of God shows up, 
things begin to change. Now, let me show you this. You say, well, I, I don't know what the face of God looks like. No man can see God and live, the Scripture says. Oh, that's physically, but spiritually you can see the face of God. You come face to face with God, you know you've been with God. God wants to draw us into his face, into his presence. You ever had somebody get in your face? God says, I want to get in your face. I want you to know what I'm really like. I want you to get so close that you look into my eyes. I want you to get so close you can feel my breath. I want you to get so close that you know what I'm all about. I want you to get in my face. It says here that he says, and as fire burns like brushwood, as fire causes water to boil. I put down there that boiling temperature of water. I just wanted you to know it was 212 because this church was birthed on 21212. And it was prophetically given a year before we ever started by Sean Boltz, who spoke at Bethel Church a year before we ever started this church that there would be a church that would be birthed on 21212. I didn't even know Sean at the time. On 21212 in Southern California, that would lead to a movement that would influence the world. Give God the glory for that, amen. By the way, Sean will be with us. We have a prophetic conference coming up in the fall in October. Uh, Kim Walker-Smith will be with us again. Sean Boltz will be with us. We'll have some others. We'll, be, we'll give you more details about that uh, coming up pretty soon. I just wanted to make, a, make an announcement about that while I was in the middle of it, all right? Is that okay? All right, amen. Okay, now look what it says. You're going to like this one. To make your name known. That word known is the Hebrew word yada. To make your name known. You know what Yadah is? It means the thrusting out of the arms in praise. It's where the word Judah comes from. Judah literally means praise. Jesus is a lion of the tribe of praise. Praise. Judah. So, you know, have you ever lifted your hands up in, in, a, in a worship service? You know, some of you said, I'm not doing that. You know, I, I can do it without doing that. I can praise God without. You can, but you ought to try it sometime when no one's looking. Amen. When the lights are down low, just lift it up. You can get started. You've got a starter kit. It just starts here. You know, and you kind of move into this. Then you go the two-arm thing. I mean, it, it's a whole process. You've got you to get in the sink of this thing. But you see, the reason you do it is you're going, I'm praising God. I want to just put my hand. I want to be counted for God. I'm going to just, and it's also when you put both arms up, you know what it is? Surrender. I surrender to you, God. I give up. I'm tired of, tired of fighting my own battles to your adversaries. It said, who do you make this known? Who do you praise? Your adversary. You know who your adversaries are? Ultimately, it's your, uh, your adversary is Satan, amen? So we know what you do when you praise your hands. Say, I'm going to praise God. Everything's going wrong, praise God. I don't know what to do, praise God. I don't know which way to turn, praise God. The enemy's going, I, I don't know what to do with this guy. What am I going to do with him? He praises God for everything. Remember Job? His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, shall we accept good from God and not bad? When he has refined me, I shall come forth like gold, Job said. I know one day my Redeemer lives, and on the one day on, he will stand upon the earth. And when he has tried me, when he has tested me, and old Job, he ended his life at the end of the last chapter of that book of Job. You know what he said? He said, I heard of thee with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees thee. You see, you can see the face of God in your spiritual man, in your spiritual eyes. You see God. You know God. You've been in the presence of God. I have a friend who's an inventor, very interesting guy. He has no background in science other than he's just a Renaissance man. He's probably got 30 or 40 U.S. patents to his name. 
He called me up one day. He was in his car. He said, I got an idea for DNA. And I go, what? I mean, the last thing you got a patent on was brakes. Yeah, I got an idea on, 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 on DNA. And I said, okay, well, tell me about it, Mikey. What's going on? He says, well, I was driving in Long Beach, and you know that petroleum smell that you smell sometimes around Long Beach? He said, it got me thinking about DNA. I told you this guy thinks different. And I said, I don't get it. What do you mean thinking, DNA, smelling? What's that? He said, well, the most powerful of the five senses is the sense of smell. Because when you smell an odor, it reminds you of an event or a time in your life. It'll take you instantly back to that moment in life. So I began to think about the mechanism of how that works. Not the sense of smell, but how that mechanism works in the brain. And I wondered if that mechanism, because it's so powerful and so sensitive, if it could be used to detect DNA. I said, you mean like smell DNA? No, you're missing the point. I don't know what you're talking about, Mikey. So he said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend some time, and I'm going to see if I can figure it out. Now, and just imagine this, this conversation I'm having with the guy. He's telling me he's, he's smelled Long Beach, and now he's going to, to detect DNA, right? You think this guy has been smoking something. About a year later, he said, I think I figured it out. I got an, a guy with an MD and a PhD to work alongside me with this to check it out. He's checked it out. He's validated it. He thinks we're ready to go for a U.S. patent. Now, U.S. patent can take six months. It can take six years. It's never quick. They got a notice within a week from the U.S. Patent Office that had been moved to top security, government protected, approved. They said if everything that he's done pans out, it'll put DNA research ahead 50 years. Here's why I tell you this story. The Bible says you're a sweet fragrance unto the Lord. All of your prayers ascend unto the Father, and they're a sweet fragrance unto him. I want you to know when you pray, you're going to set your prayer life. You're going to set your future 50 years ahead. You're going to be sowing seeds into your children's children. You're going to be sowing seeds into future generations. And the Father, he never forgets. Just like he created you with, an, with this earthly capacity to smell and to detect and pull memory back, he says, I never forget the fragrance of the Lord Jesus Christ in you and through you. Isn't that a powerful? I told you we need a couple hours. I haven't even got to the main, this is just a preamble. Lord, help us all here. That nations may tremble at your presence. Here's the second time face of God is used. That nations may tremble at the face of God. When you did awesome things for which we did not look. God just, he's sneaky. I call him Jehovah Sneaky. You say, where did that come from? I didn't know God was doing that. Look what God did. Here's the verse for it. You came down and the mountains shook at your presence third time. He uses the term presence. Third time he's referring to the face of God. He says, I want you to know my presence can be seen in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When my angels sing, they sing holy, holy, holy. They never sing it twice. They never sing it four times. They always sing it three times. He's always wanting to bring us back. He says, here's what I want. I want you to have a baptism of my presence. I want you to have a baptism of my You say, I don't know what that means. I want you to experience it right now, and here's how we're going to do it. There's something powerful when we speak versus when we think. 
You speak prayers, you think meditation. When you say something like this, Spirit of God, I want to realize your presence right now, right now. Would you fill me with your presence? Would you surround me with your presence? Would you make me to know? Could it be as tangible as my own life? Could I, could I feel and be in the midst of your presence? So here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to, to speak this out loud, okay? You say, well, what if somebody hears me? It won't matter. You're gonna say, they're going to say the same thing you say. Here's how it goes. Just, just, I invite you, just speak it out. Lord Jesus, I want your presence. I want to sense it right now. I want to be aware of your power. I want to know you. I want to be face to face with you. Increase your presence right now in my life. That's all there is. And you just bask in that. You say, well, I didn't feel anything. And some of you will say, wow, I really sensed his presence. You ever been in a room and you just knew somebody else was in the room? I just feel like somebody's in the room or somebody just came in the room. They had a presence about them. It's almost like a, a, something you develop, you know. You kind of like get a sense, right? Well, you can, in the spiritual world, you get the same sense. The Spirit of God shows up. God wants a baptism of his presence. He wants, he wants to make known to his enemies that praise. God's enemies tremble when you begin to praise him. Praise sends demons screaming into the night. Praise, uh, when praise happens, the foundations of evil are overturned. When, when you begin to praise him, hell is put on notice that Jesus is Lord, that he is God indeed. That's why we praise him. That's why it says God inhabits the praises of his people. You know that word inhabit, you know what it means? It means to sit down and stay. When you begin to praise God, God sits down and he stays with you a while. He said, let me just enjoy this time with you while you praise me, while you give me glory. All right, here's the thought, first thought I want to give you today. Earthly kingdoms are to reflect the qualities of the eternal kingdom. God made human government to reflect heaven. When it reflects heaven, it's pleasing to the Lord. The gospel goes forth. People are healed. Miracles take place. Good laws are enacted. By the way, I just say this. Politicians can make good laws, but only God can make good people. And you really need both. God works in tandem in a partnership with us. Bill Johnson put it like this. He says, we cannot let darkness shape our awareness of the heavenly atmosphere that dwells upon us. Now think about that thought. We cannot let the darkness shape, shape the atmosphere, the heavenly atmosphere that surrounds us. When you, when, you, when you speak evil of yourself or someone else, you empower darkness. When you speak life, you bring light into your situation. Do not let darkness shape the world you live in. The size of the open heaven over us is affected in some measure by the maturity and the yieldedness that we have to the Holy Spirit. You see, if God is open above you now, he wants to be more open. He wants broader blessings to come down upon you. I love the way the psalmist says in Psalm 2. Listen to what it says. It says, the kings of the earth, earth have set themselves, have set themselves. They set themselves against the rulers. They take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. 
Now imagine this scene. All the kings of the earth, they surround themselves. We don't like God in our world. We don't need God in our world. What are we going to do? We don't need it. I just saw a headline just yesterday. New York City, it says, NYPD declares war on ISIS. We are ready for an attack. You know what that says to me? We, are, we just open the door to darkness. What we need to say is we need to have the righteous say, we're closing the door, we're binding the strong man of evil that resides above in the heavenly places, and we're calling on God to bring life and goodness and mercy. That doesn't mean we don't prepare. But I want you to know what it does mean is we're going to take spiritually the, the, the truth of God first, and then look what God says. He says when these kings, when they gather together and they take counsel against the Lord and against the Lord, God says, and he who sits in the heavens shall laugh as he brings them to derision. They say to themselves, let us break the bonds and cut the cords that are established against us. And then that psalm ends with these words, kiss the, kiss the son, lest he go angry with you and you are destroyed. Have you kissed the son lately? Have you put your lips on his cheek lately? Have you said, I love you, Jesus, lately? When a nation, when a nation says, I want an alignment with heaven, God blesses that nation. The foundation of this nation, the United States, here on this weekend that we celebrate our Independence Day, we celebrate the freedom that God has given us. I want to take you back historically, if I can, to the Rhode Island Charter of 1638, which, by the way, reflects uh, almost every single charter of every state forming the, the union of this nation. Listen to what it says. It says, we submit our persons, our lives, and our states unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and to all the absolute laws which he has given us in his holy word. Does that sound like they had a problem with church and, church and state? Sounds to me like they understood what it meant to reflect heaven on earth. Let me take you a little further. Abraham Lincoln, he said, It is the duty of nations as well as men to owe their dependence upon the overruling power of God and to recognize the sublime truth uh, announced in the Holy Scriptures, proven in all of history, that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Ben Franklin said, I've lived a long time. The longer I live, the more convincing proof I have that, that only those nations who submit to God are blessed. If a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it possible that a nation can rise without his aid? We've been assured in the sacred book, unless the Lord build a house, they who build it labor in vain. The shaping of a nation after God demands something of you and me, of an individual and of a nation. It demands, first of all, the confession of sin demands that you and I are honest with ourselves and honest with God, that we break up that hardened ground, that self-justification, that we really begin to see. Charles Finney, that great revivalist, said, when the wickedness of the wicked grieves and humbles and distresses, distresses Christians, we'll begin to see revival. 
When Christians are willing to sacrifice, we'll see revival. I want to give you just a little glimpse from our youth camp. Just thank God for our youth pastors, Pastor Natalie and Pastor Drew. But listen, to, listen, to, they, were, they were texting me. They were having so much fun te- sending texts to me on the way back from youth camp, and, and my phone was blowing up. I used up all my minutes for one, for one month on them. But listen to what it says. Nick and Sam and Mahon were so emotional and burdened over a student from another church who was in their cabin because he hadn't surrendered to Jesus Christ. It was 1130 at night, and they said, we don't want to leave without talking to him. He has to know. We have to give him another chance to receive the Lord because we know where he is going if he doesn't. We stayed talking with him until 1230 a.m., asking him questions like, do you see us differently than others who aren't Christians? Can you identify Jesus in us? We need to pray. We need to hunger to be in God's presence. Listen to another report. On the junior high side, God was moving in the same power. There was a mighty move of the Spirit. The band stopped playing. It was over. But the junior high students and a few others that were up front continued to worship together, singing for 30 minutes. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was brought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The band walked off the stage because they didn't know what else to do. The camp staff left the lights on and allowing them to worship for another 30 minutes. They were just repeating that line for 30 minutes while the evening and fun activities were running. They denied the opportunity for games, and they stayed in his presence. Amen? See, revival comes when you stay in his presence. You stay in his presence. We expect God to work. Nations and people have a destiny. You have a destiny. And nations have a destiny. The Bible says in the book of Matthew 24, 25, it says the nations that honor God will go into the millennial kingdom. There will be a judgment of nations as well as individuals. Some nations will not go into the millennial kingdom. Some will be barred from going into the millennial kingdom. I don't know who those will be. That's up for God to know. But he says he's going to separate the nations like he does sheep from the goats. Some nations are sheep nations. Some nations are goat nations. Some nations used to be sheep nations, and they're becoming goat nations. Some nations were goat nations. They're becoming sheep nations. But God's going to determine all of that in his day. I was reading in one of my theology books about from Wayne Gruden, and he said this, there's no such thing as luck or chance. You ever heard anybody say, and we all do it, all right, so I'm not trying to monitor you here. You ever said, hey, good luck. Have you ever thought about that? What does that really mean? I mean, it really wasn't lucky for the horse that lost a shoe or the rabbit that lost a foot. I never could understand that. I got a lucky rabbit's foot. Well, lucky for you, bad nose for the rabbit. We got a three-legged rabbit running around and calling it luck. Something wrong with this equation, amen? All right, now watch this. All right, so he, he goes on to say, all things come to pass by God's wise providence. That means that we should adopt a much more personal understanding of the universe and the events in it. The universe is not governed by some impersonal fate or luck, but by a personal God. Nothing just happens. If you believe your life is based on fate, then you might as well read the horoscope and determine that your life is determined by what star you were born over. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. If you're a Christian, you need to throw that away, throw that terminology away, and understand no star determined your fate or birth order determined your fate. Jesus Christ is Lord and God of all things, and he will yield to no other gods, be it horoscope or anything else. 
He is the Lord, and he is to be lifted up above all others. He goes on to say, the universe is not governed by an impersonal fate or luck, by a personal God. Nothing just happens. We should see God's hand in events throughout the day, causing all things to work together for the good to those who love God. But watch what the enemy will do. Some of you got quiet on that horoscope thing. You're just thinking about it, aren't you? You say, well, I was born under this sign. No, you weren't. The Bible says God governs your days. God says he shaped you in your womb, in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were born. He determined your destiny before you were born. And the more you align yourself with it, the more you're going to understand it and see it. Here's what the enemy do. He'll seek to isolate you from the power and the presence of God. That's what he does. If he can keep you away from the power and the presence of God, he knows he's got you right where he wants you. You know what that means? Oh, not doing bad things. I mean just not in the midst of the power and the presence of God. I want to thank you for being here on July 4th weekend. This is an easy weekend to miss. Three-day weekend, got plenty to do. Nice day, set out by the pool, grill some hot dogs. Dang, I'm getting hungry right now. How about you, Amen. Well, you already committed to the two-hour service, so don't look at me like that. You see, just the sacrifice of being here on this weekend counts. God sees it. God sees it. The other thing God, the enemy will do is he'll try to discount the moment you live in. Now, this is really powerful. If you get a hold of this truth... It will really, really be powerful for you. When you discount the moment you live in, what you're saying is, I've got plenty of time. What you're saying is, what's happening right now isn't that big a deal. What you're saying is, there's nothing that's too exciting happening, therefore I've got to wait for an event to happen for me to be excited about. Right now is the moment that God has given you his breath. You live and breathe and have your being by his hand. Right now is an opportunity for you to sow seeds, to plant, to do whatever you do. The other thing the enemy will do, he'll polarize you with fear. He always will polarize people on two levels. One is financial and the other is health. I've watched it my whole ministry. People say, I don't know what I'm going to do about my health. I don't know what to do about money. He's just polarized you. He's got you right where you want you. Let me ask you something. Who determines your health ultimately? It's God. I'd rather look to the great physician. Who determines your financial flow? Is it really, is it really your, your boss? You really think it's your boss, your job, your company? I mean, if that's it, you got trouble. Because the moment your boss doesn't like you, the moment he's got a budget cut, you're gone. you got to look to God Almighty who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the gold and the silver. He doesn't have to put a song on the songs the birds sing because he owns them. He doesn't have to write his signature in a sunset for he owns it. His lordship is based on his ownership. All through the ages, men have tried to ignore him and reject him. But you can't ignore him and reject him because before long you'll hear a still small voice that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. They've tried to destroy him by a field of an empire, but he broke it. They tried to destroy him by a wall. 
water, but he walked on it. They tried to destroy him by fire, but he put out the flame. I want you to know he is Lord, amen. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why while the kings set themselves against the Lord, look what it tells us to do in Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord continually before me. Everywhere I look, there's God, 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 God. Oh, there's God, there's God. Oh, there, oh, some of you have set problems. Oh, I got a problem, got a problem, got a problem. I can see the problems coming. People got problems and they, I, they, they meet eyes. I go, oh, no. I got to talk about other problems. I can see it in their eye. Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, how about trusting Jesus? I mean, it's just a thought. I know it's random. People say, what are you going to do? I just set God before me. You got a problem. God's before me. You know what I say? I literally say this all the time to God. God, you got me in this mess. You got to get me out of it. You called me, saved me, brought me into the kingdom. Now, God, I'm submitted to you. Now, God, I'm putting you before me. 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 Everywhere I go, I see God, God, God. Because God will draw you into your full potential. God will draw you into your full potential, and he'll give you the keys to the mysteries of his kingdom. You say, I got a key. I don't know what it does. It'll open up a mystery to his kingdom. You go, wow, look at that. That is amazing. Here's the other thing. It's never too late to move the hand of God. Never too late to move the hand of God. C.H. Spurgeon put it like this. Brethren, we want renewed appearances, fresh manifestations, New visitations from on high. And I commend to those of you who are getting on in life, that means you're old. Nice way of putting it, right? It was a bit poetic. Getting on in life, that you thank God for the past and look back with joy to his visits to you in your early days, but you now seek, you now seek and ask for a second visitation of the Most High. For some of you, the reason you're not seeing a fresh move of God in your life today is because you're so consumed with the way he moved yesterday. And that's taken up space in your life. And that space, you can't yield to what God wants to do today. You say, I remember when God did this. Yeah, that's what he did then. He says, behold, I do a new thing. You know, the interesting thing about revival, to my knowledge of history, There's never been a time where a revival broke out in the same place twice in the same way. You know why? Because God will not be controlled by your thought of how he should work. About the time you, somebody will come into your life, they're annoying. I've, I've noticed this. God just sends annoying people to me. He will. And that annoying person will be a key to me understanding a deeper understanding of God. All the people I like are just like me, think like me. They don't have that effect on me. God just sent, it's just, it's, God's just getting even with me. I don't know something, right? I'm going to send an annoying guy that you don't think has got some insight, and he's going he's gonna to help you understand something about the kingdom. You know why? Because God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I'm sure I've been used in your life. I'm foolish. Isaiah 35, we're almost done. We're headed downhill. 
on a two-mile journey. Isaiah 35, verses 6 and 7, it's, it's 4th of July weekend. we got plenty of time. You're not working Monday. For the waters shall burst forth. Isaiah 35, 6 and 7. For the waters shall burst forth in the wilderness. You got a wilderness? You in the wilderness right now? i got good news. It says right here, waters are going to burst forth. Streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty lands a spring of water. I read not too long ago where they found these seeds that they estimated could be three to 5,000 years old. They found an ancient civilization. They had enough of them. They said, let's plant some of them, see what will happen. They planted them. They watered them, put them in good soil, and guess what? They began to spring forth. There are seeds planted in your life that need some water. They've been tucked away in darkness. Could have been planted by your mom, your dad, your friend. Could have been planted by a church that, you, that your folks attended because you see generations before the seeds planted. And you can plant some seeds for future generations if you would. Psalm 145 says, one generation shall praise your works to another and he shall declare your mighty acts. You know what happens? When I, when I give you the wisdom of what God has shown me over 20 years, I just moved you ahead 20 years in your spiritual life. Now, you've got 20 years of history, accumulated wisdom that came and it in an instant. That's why the Bible says the older men shall teach the younger, the, the older women the younger. You see, because there's a reason that, because we've accumulated and we've got these testimonies and they are literally little carriers of divine activity. And when we put them in your life, you go, wow, that's amazing. See, you're either a stumbling block or a stepping stone for someone's life. You're, 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 are you sowing seeds for a future generation? Are you eating all the seed and not letting anyone share from it? God's dream for every generation is to increase and to declare his praise. I got to quit. But I'm going to give you two life applications before I do. Echo the works of God everywhere you go. Do not echo your pain. Do not echo your problems. Do not echo your needs. Do not echo the dilemmas you're in. Do not echo the circumstances. Echo the works of God. You might be in the worst situation. You might be in the worst situation anybody's ever been on planet Earth. And I don't deny that some of you are going through some tough times. But here's what I want. The quickest way out, I'm going to show you the quickest way out is when you begin to praise them in the midst of your struggles. You can say to God, God, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm in a mess. It's probably related to, to, to one of three things. It's going to be either health, it's going to be financial, and the third one is relationships. I don't know what I'm going to do, but God, I'm going to trust you. When I begin to worry, I'm going to trust you. When I know which way to turn, I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you, God. Because you said you're God, I'm holding you to it. I'm holding you to it. Here's second life application. Live out your full potential in the spirit. Don't, don't stunt your growth in the spiritual realm. Every seed you plant here and now is equivalent to a harvest in heaven. Think about that. I can hold on to my seeds. I can, I can hold them and say, I'm not going to let any of this potential I have go. I don't win here, and I don't win there. I can take what I have. I can begin to plant it. 
See what God will do. And I'll reap now, and I'll reap then. That's good math. Even it is preacher math. Amen? Amen. See, God is more about loving you and helping you and guiding you than anybody in your life. Let me ask you a question. I asked you earlier. Have you kissed Jesus on the cheek lately? Let's stand together. And as you stand, I want you just to close your eyes. As you close your eyes, I just want you to I want you to imagine yourself right now. You're standing next to Jesus. Just imagine he's in this room. He's standing next to you. It's a bit of an awkward feeling because, after all, he is the Son of God. You wonder, is he looking into your soul and your mind and your heart? Is he... Is he judging you? Is he condemning you? Is he wanting to ask you a question? Your mind races with a million things. And then you hear him whisper to you. Didn't you come here to kiss me on the cheek? And instantly all the feelings of condemnation and Worry and concern, they dissipate into the air. And you just kiss him on the cheek. You pull back. You wonder what his response will be, and you hear him say, I've been waiting for that. I love you, my child. Right now, I'm just going to ask you to kind of soak and just bask in the presence of God as as the band plays for just a moment. Just bask in his love, bask in his glory, bask in his grace, bask in his presence.
thank you for your presence here today among us. Thank you, Father, that we're carriers through our testimonies of the divine activity of God. Let us be faithful with, with what you've entrusted us to. Bless wherever we go. Change, change people as we compel them with love to be all that God has called them to be. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, just want to encourage you to, uh, to show up tomorrow at Canyon High School and uh, help us with the run. We have, an, we have about, uh, I don't know how many they'll have this year. They had almost 2,000 runners last year. We provide all the runner's bags. They say Influence Church on them. We've stuffed them with all kinds of cool Jesus stuff. And, uh, and so when you take the number of runners, multiply time the number of families, it's somewhere around 6,000 6, people are impacted, impacted by this one thing. If you've got two hours to give us, just show up, 6 o'clock, and uh, we'll have a great time. You'll be on your way home by 8 probably. And uh, just, just want to thank all of you for being here today. Thank you for being here. Thank, uh, can you put your hands together for Megan? Did she do a great job today? And our band. You know, there's just so much, so many things that go together to make a day like this. And I just, just want to just take a moment, just thank, you know, our media team and our, and our, all of our servant teams that we have, parking and ushers and greeters. And, you know, I, I, I use this as an opportunity just to say, you know, if you'd like to serve, we'd love to have you come and serve as maybe a greeter, an usher, park cars, whatever, whatever, you know, there's a, a lot of opportunities for you to get involved. So we hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy this time of celebrating our independence in, uh, in Christ. And uh, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.